This is day 209 of our daily Bible reading. We'll be completing Acts chapters 20 through 24. Lord Heavenly Father, as we enter into your presence this morning, please give us a sense of peace and calmness. So often life gets so busy and we get so wrapped up in ourselves. But when we come into your presence, Lord, help us to have the proper posture of heart, to be as if we were sitting at your feet on your throne, to where we would just sit there and be able just to look upon you and listen to what you have to say, like a son listens to a father. Lord God, please nurture us as you always do. Please guide us as you always do. Please remind us that you are guiding us at all times. Please forgive our sins, and please allow the Holy Spirit to teach us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. After the uproar had ceased, Paul sent for the disciples, and when he had exhorted them and taken his leave of them, he left to go to Macedonia. When he had gone through these districts and had given them much exhortation, he came to Greece, and there he spent three months. And when a plot was formed against him by the Jews, as he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. And he was accompanied by Sopater of Berea, the son of Pyrrhus, and by Aristarchus and Secundus of the Thessalonians, and Gaius of Derbe, and Timothy, and Tychicus, and Trophimus of Asia. But these had gone on ahead, and were waiting for us at Troas. We sailed from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and came to them at Troas within five days, and there we stayed seven days. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul began talking to them, intending to leave the next day, and he prolonged his message until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where we were gathered together, and there was a young man named Eutychus sitting on the windowsill, sinking into a deep sleep. And as Paul kept on talking, he was overcome by sleep and fell down from the third floor and was picked up dead. But Paul went down and fell upon him, and after embracing him, he said, Do not be troubled, for his life is in him. When he had gone back up and had broken the bread and eaten, he talked with them a long while until daybreak, and then he left. They took away the boy alive and were greatly comforted. But we, going ahead to the ship, set sail for Assos, intending from there to take Paul on board, for so he had arranged it, intending himself to go by land. And when he met us at Assos, we took him on board and came to Mytilene. Sailing from there, we arrived the following day opposite Chios, and the next day we crossed over to Samos, and the day following we came to Miletus. For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus, so that he would not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hurrying to be in Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. From Miletus he sent to Ephesus, and called to him the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, 
he said to them, You yourselves know, from the first day that I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials, which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. Now I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable, and teaching you publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, bound by the Spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will no longer see my face. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day, for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my own needs and to the men who were with me. In everything, I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, that he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And they began to weep aloud and embraced Paul, and repeatedly kissed him, grieving especially over the word which he had spoken, that they would not see his face again and they were accompanying him to the ship. When we had parted from them and had set sail, we ran a straight course to Kos, and the next day to Rhodes, and from there to Patara. And having found a ship crossing over to Phoenicia, we went aboard and set sail. When we came in sight of Cyprus, leaving it on the left, we kept sailing to Syria and landed at Tyre for there the ship was to unload its cargo. After looking up the disciples, we stayed there seven days, and they kept telling Paul through the Spirit not to set foot in Jerusalem. When our days there were ended, we left and started on our journey, while they all 
with wives and children, escorted us until we were out of the city. After kneeling down on the beach and praying, we said farewell to one another. Then we went on board the ship, and they returned home again. When we had finished the voyage from Tyre, we arrived at Ptolemaeus, and after greeting the brethren, we stayed with them for a day. On the next day, we left and came to Caesarea, and entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven. We stayed with him. Now this man had four virgin daughters who were prophetesses. As we were staying there for some days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands, and said, This is what the Holy Spirit says. In this way, the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. When we had heard this, we as well as the local residents began begging him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but even to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we fell silent, remarking, The will of the Lord be done. After these days, we got ready and started on our way up to Jerusalem. Some of the disciples from Caesarea also came with us, taking us to Manasson of Cyprus, a disciple of long standing with whom we were to lodge. After we arrived in Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. And the following day, Paul went in with us to James, and all the elders were present. After he had greeted them, he began to relate one by one the things which God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they had heard it, they began glorifying God. And they said to him, You see, brother, how many thousands there were among the Jews of those who have believed? And they are all zealous for the law. And they have been told about you, that you are teaching all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses telling them not to circumcise their children, nor to walk according to the customs. What then is to be done? They will certainly hear that you have come. Therefore do this that we tell you. We have four men who are under a vow. Take them and purify yourself along with them, and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads. And all will know that there is nothing to the things which they have been told about you, but that you yourself also walk orderly, keeping the law. But concerning the Gentiles who have believed, we wrote, having decided that they should abstain from meat sacrificed to idols, and from blood, and from what is strangled, and from fornication. Then Paul took the men, and the next day, purifying himself along with them, went into the temple, giving notice of the completion of the days of purification, until the sacrifice was offered for each one of them. When the seven days were almost over, 
the Jews from Asia, upon seeing him in the temple, began to stir up all the crowd and laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, come to our aid. This is the man who preaches to all men everywhere against our people and the law and this place. And besides, he has even brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. For they had previously seen Trophimus the Ephesian in the city with him, and they supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple. Then all the city was provoked, and the people rushed together, and taking hold of Paul, they dragged him out of the temple, and immediately the doors were shut. While they were seeking to kill him, a report came up to the commander of the Roman cohort that all Jerusalem was in confusion. At once he took along some soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when they saw the commander and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Then the commander came up and took hold of him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. And he began asking who he was and what he had done. But among the crowd, some were shouting one thing and some another. And when he could not find out the facts because of the uproar, he ordered him to be brought into the barracks. When he got to the stairs, he was carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the mob. For the multitude of the people kept following him, shouting, Away with him! As Paul was about to be brought into the barracks, he said to the commander, May I say something to you? And he said, Do you know Greek? Then you are not the Egyptian who some time ago stirred up a revolt and led the four thousand men of the assassins out into the wilderness? But Paul said, I am a Jew of Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no insignificant city. And I beg you, allow me to speak to the people. When he had given him permission, Paul, standing on the stairs, motioned to the people with his hand. And when there was a great hush, he spoke to them in the Hebrew dialect, saying, Brethren and fathers, hear my defense which I now offer to you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew dialect, they became even more quiet. And he said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated under Gamaliel, strictly according to the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, just as you all are today. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and putting both men and women into prisons, as also the high priest and all the council of the elders can testify. From them I also received letters to the brethren, and started off for Damascus, in order to bring even those who were there to Jerusalem as prisoners to be punished. But it happened that as I was on my way, approaching Damascus about noontime, a very bright light suddenly flashed from heaven all around me, and I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, 
I am Jesus, the Nazarene, whom you are persecuting. And those who were with me saw the light, to be sure, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Get up and go on into Damascus, and there you will be told of all that has been appointed for you to do. But since I could not see because of the brightness of the light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. A certain Ananias, a man who was devout by the standard of the law and well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me, and standing near said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very time I looked up at him. And he said, The God of our fathers has appointed you to know his will, and to see the righteous one, and to hear an utterance from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to all men of what you have seen and heard. Now why do you delay? Get up and be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on his name. It happened when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I fell into a trance, and I saw him saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves understand that in one synagogue after another I used to imprison and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of your witness, Stephen, was being shed, I also was standing by approving and watching out for the coats of those who were slaying him. And he said to me, Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. They listened to him up to this statement, and then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. And as they were crying out and throwing off their cloaks and tossing dust into the air, the commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks, stating that he should be examined by scourging so that he might find out the reason why they were shouting against him that way. But when they stretched him out with thongs, Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? When the centurion heard this, he went to the commander and told him, saying, What are you about to do? For this man is a Roman. The commander came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman? And he said, Yes. The commander answered, I acquired this citizenship with a large sum of money. And Paul said, But I was actually born a citizen. Therefore those who were about to examine him immediately let go of him. And the commander also was afraid when he found out that he was a Roman, and because he had put him in chains. But on the next day, Wishing to know for certain why he had been accused by the Jews, he released him, 
and ordered the chief priests and all the council to assemble, and brought Paul down and set him before them. Paul, looking intently at the council, said, Brethren, I have lived my life with a perfectly good conscience before God up to this day. The high priest Ananias commanded those standing beside him to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Do you sit to try me according to the law, and in violation of the law order me to be struck? But the bystanders said, Do you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, I was not aware, brethren, that he was high priest. For it is written, You shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. But perceiving that one group were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, Paul began crying out in the council, Brethren, I am a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. I am on trial for the hope and resurrection of the dead. As he said this, there occurred a dissension between the Pharisees and Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, nor an angel, nor a spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. And there occurred a great uproar, and some of the scribes of the Pharisaic party stood up and began to argue heatedly, saying, We find nothing wrong with this man. Suppose a spirit or an angel has spoken to him. And as a great dissension was developing, the commander was afraid Paul would be torn to pieces by them, and ordered the troops to go down and take him away from them by force and bring him into the barracks. But on the night immediately following, the Lord stood at his side and said, Take courage, for as you have solemnly witnessed to my cause at Jerusalem, so you must witness at Rome also. When it was day, the Jews formed a conspiracy and bound themselves under an oath, saying that they would neither eat nor drink until they had killed Paul. There were more than forty who formed this plot. They came to the chief priests and the elders and said, We have bound ourselves under a solemn oath to taste nothing until we have killed Paul. Now, therefore, you and the council notify the commander to bring him down to you, as though you were going to determine his case by a more thorough investigation. And we, for our part, are ready to slay him before he comes near the place. But the son of Paul's sister heard of their ambush, and he came and entered the barracks and told Paul. Paul called one of the centurions to him and said, Lead this young man to the commander, for he has something to report to him. So he took him and led him to the commander, and said, Paul, the prisoner, called me to him and asked me to lead this young man to you, since he has something to tell you. The commander took him by the hand, and stepping aside, began to inquire of him privately. What is it 
that you have to report to me. And he said, The Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul down tomorrow to the council, as though they were going to inquire somewhat more thoroughly about him. So do not listen to them, for more than forty of them are lying in wait for him who have bound themselves under a curse not to eat or drink until they slay him. And now they are ready and waiting for the promise from you. So the commander let the young man go, instructing him, Tell no one that you have notified me of these things. And he called to him two of the centurions and said, Get two hundred soldiers ready by the third hour of the night to proceed to Caesarea, with seventy horsemen and two hundred spearmen. They were also to provide mounts to put Paul on and bring him safely to Felix the governor. And he wrote a letter, having this form, Claudius Lysias, to the most excellent governor Felix. Greetings. When this man was arrested by the Jews and was about to be slain by them, I came up to them with the troops and rescued him, having learned that he was a Roman. And wanting to ascertain the the charge for which they were accusing him, I brought him down to their council, and I found him to be accused over questions about their law, but under no accusation deserving death or imprisonment. When I was informed that there would be a plot against this man, I sent him to you at once, also instructing his accusers to bring charges against him before you. So the soldiers, in accordance with their orders, took Paul and brought him by night to Antipatris. But the next day, leaving the horsemen to go on with him, they returned to the barracks. When these had come to Caesarea and delivered the letter to the governor, they also presented Paul to him. When he had read it, he asked from what province he was, and when he learned that he was from Cilicia, He said, I will give you a hearing after your accusers arrive also, giving orders for him to be kept in Herod's praetorium. After five days, the high priest Ananias came down with some elders, with an attorney named Tertullus, and they brought charges to the governor against Paul. After Paul had been summoned, Tertullus began to accuse him, saying to the governor, Since we have through you attained much peace, and since by your providence reforms are being carried out for this nation, we acknowledge this in every way and everywhere, most excellent Felix, with all thankfulness. But that I may not weary you any further, I beg you to grant us, by your kindness, a brief hearing. For we have found this man a real pest and a fellow who stirs up dissension among all the Jews throughout the world, and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. And he even tried to desecrate the temple, and then we arrested him. We wanted to judge him according to our own law. But Lysias the commander came along and with much violence 
took him out of our hands, ordering his accusers to come before you. By examining him yourself concerning all these matters, you will be able to ascertain the things of which we accuse him. The Jews also joined in the attack, asserting that these things were so. When the governor had nodded for him to speak, Paul responded, Knowing that for many years you have been a judge to this nation, I cheerfully make my defense, since you can take note of the fact that no more than twelve days ago I went up to Jerusalem to worship. Neither in the temple, nor in the synagogues, nor in the city itself did they find me carrying on a discussion with anyone or causing a riot. Nor can they prove to you the charges of which they now accuse me. But this I admit to you, that according to the way which they call a sect, I do serve the God of our fathers, believing everything that is in accordance with the law and that is written in the prophets, having a hope in God, which these men cherish themselves, that there shall certainly be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. In view of this, I also do my best to maintain always a blameless conscience, both before God and before men. Now after several years, I came to bring alms to my nation and to present offerings, in which they found me occupied in the temple, having been purified, without any crowd or uproar. But there were some Jews from Asia, who ought to have been present before you and to make accusation, if they should have anything against me. Or else let these men themselves tell what misdeed they found when I stood before the council, other than for this one statement which I shouted while standing among them. For the resurrection of the dead I am on trial before you today. But Felix, having a more exact knowledge about the way, put them off, saying, When Lysias the commander comes down, I will decide your case. Then he gave orders to the centurion for him to be kept in custody, and yet have some freedom, and not to prevent any of his friends from ministering to him. But some days later, Felix arrived with Drusilla, his wife, who was a Jewess and sent for Paul, and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. But as he was discussing righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix became frightened, and said, Go away for the present, and when I find time, I will summon you. At the same time, too, he was hoping that money would be given him by Paul. Therefore, he also used to send for him quite often and converse with him. But after two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Porcius Festus, and wishing to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul imprisoned. All right, so there's quite a bit of drama in today's reading. So in chapter 20, while Paul is in Greece, he was making some detours that didn't make sense to some people. And so 
he was going around Greece and Asia Minor with his group of people. But then things shifted rather quickly in that he had some form of urgency to want to get back to Jerusalem. He wanted to get there for the day of Pentecost because, like he describes, the Holy Spirit has been really working in him and telling him that not only are afflictions awaiting him, but also that he needs to get back to Jerusalem. And he purposely skipped places like Ephesus, for example, because he knew that if he got there, they would surely try to delay him and he would get stuck. And so he purposely made these detours in order to not get stuck. So the Holy Spirit's leading him to Jerusalem, and he knows fully well because the Spirit's telling him that he is going to be captured there. But this is all according to plan. The Lord has plans for him to speak to some very important people. And these are governors and rulers, and then going all the way to Rome in order to share the gospel over there, which was pretty far away from where they are right now. So that's a big deal. And there were many people that were trying to stop him. They knew that he was walking into a trap. And, but the thing is, is he did too. He knew fully well what to expect. And even though people tried to convince him and they were grieving that they were going to never see him again, he went on his way and they let him go. He was stubborn to a fault because so many times they tried to persuade him and he would not listen. So when he has his mind set on something, there's no getting him out of that. And that's a good thing and a bad thing when it comes to Paul. When you get to chapter 21, there was a couple of verses that really stood out to me and made me really think about it. Like it says in verse 4, After looking up the disciples, we stayed there seven days, and they kept telling Paul through the Spirit not to set foot in Jerusalem. I thought that was a very interesting statement. The way that it's phrased makes it seem like they made some sort of spiritual phone call to Paul, but obviously we know it's not that, but the Holy Spirit is everywhere all at once. He's God. He's omnipresent. And so he does have the ability to relay information from person to person. And so perhaps there was information that was spread between these believers at this time. But I think also they share the same spirit, right? The Holy Spirit is one. And I think they all started to see, when they, even though they're trying to dissuade him from going to Jerusalem, I think the Holy Spirit was showing them that this was what was necessary, that this is what was supposed to happen. And so that's why they said at the very end, the will of the Lord be done. We don't like the way this sounds, but if this is the Lord's will, then who are we to stop it? So then Paul goes to Jerusalem like he said he would. And when he gets there, he talks to the leadership in the church of Jerusalem, which, if we recall, is the first church. And as we see here, James, the half-brother of Jesus, the one who wrote the book of James, is a prominent figure in the church, like we thought he would be. And so they meet with him, they exchange information, and they get clarity on things that occurred during his trip. And then Paul says he's going to go to the temple and purify himself and get himself ready for the day of Pentecost. But then we see some Jews from Asia. They're not even local, but these Jews come a long way just to find Paul and seek him out and 
cause trouble. And it's amazing how what lengths they went to in order to do this. So in typical fashion, as they have been doing lately, not doing anything godly, they have stirred up the whole city to be in an uproar over Paul, even though Paul himself was doing nothing wrong. He was just in the temple worshiping God. So they capture him, they're beating him up, and then the Roman soldiers hear about this, and they were sent in order to restore the peace. And so they grab Paul, and they try to protect him, and as they're doing that, Paul speaks to them in Greek. And they're like, what? You know Greek? And he says, yeah, I can speak Greek. And then they're like, wait a minute, you're not the guy that we thought this was. There was supposed to be a, an Egyptian man who was leading a revolt with 4,000 assassins into the wilderness. Are you that guy? No, no, I'm not. So who are you? I am a Jew of Tarsus. And please let me speak to these people. And so in the midst of all of this, in the midst of all this chaos and people hating Paul, he doesn't care. He goes up and starts speaking in Hebrew, and they start listening to him. Oh, wait, he's a Jew like us. Let's listen to him. And so he gives his testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it, it seems to be accepted up until the very end when he starts mentioning the Gentiles. Because it says in verse 22, they listened to him up to this statement. And then they said, get him out of here. He shouldn't be allowed to live. He's a blasphemer. Because of the thought that in the original traditional Jewish culture, that Gentiles were unclean. They had no salvation. They had no part with God. And now Paul is saying this. You're just trying to twist the law of Moses. And I love what he tells them in verse 16. Now, why do you delay? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling upon his name. He offers them repentance. He offers them Jesus Christ in the midst of this uproar. What an amazing man Paul is. And he knew that things were going to go roughly for him, but he didn't care. He just wanted to see the kingdom of God glorified. I wish we could even taste a sampling of that in ourselves. We can have just a sliver of what Paul had. The church would be unstoppable, but we are more cowardly than anything else. And I heard a quote yesterday that really got my attention. The modern church mistakes piety for cowardice. We act piously, but in reality, we are all cowards because we do not speak boldly like Paul does. So this commander of the Roman cohort takes him somewhere safe, and they're about to whip him and stuff, and he's like, are you going to do that to a Roman citizen? He's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, you're a Roman citizen? Yeah. Well, I earned my citizenship by paying for it. And Paul is like, well, I was born a citizen. And they're like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, we need to stop what we're doing. We're in, we're doing something illegal at this point. So we need to stop what we're doing and we need to let him go. So then they want to satisfy the legal system and allow Paul to stand before the Jewish council to see what they're accusing him of. And so at this point, we see a new high priest that is over the council at this point. 
named Ananias. So the ones that were around during the time of Jesus are no longer in office. Now we see that this particular high priest was very insolent and overbearing because he barely says two words, and then he commands that Paul get smacked in the mouth. And then Paul says to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. In other words, kind of like how Jesus referred to them as whitewashed tombs. They were hypocrites. And so, and he calls him out on it right there. Do you sit to try me according to the law, and in violation of the law, order me to be struck? Remember, Paul knows the system very well. He was one of those guys standing up there accusing him. He was a Pharisee. He knows the law back and forth. He knows how these things go, and he knows his rights. And he's calling out the high priest for hypocrisy and for violating the law in order to accuse him of the law. And so he's completely right in what he's saying, and yet they refuse to listen to him. And he is just making them more and more upset. And then he does something that really upsets the whole group. He perceived that half of them were Pharisees and half of them were Sadducees. And the Sadducees are the ones that don't think there's a resurrection. And basically, there's no spiritual world. And so Paul makes a statement that causes them to go into confusion with themselves. And then the Roman soldiers are thinking, okay, we need to get him out of here or they're just going to tear him apart. So they get him out of there before things get crazy. And I love how in verse 11 of chapter 23, we have Jesus standing by his side. Take courage, for as you solemnly witnessed to my cause at Jerusalem, so you must witness at Rome also. So he knows where he's going next. He's going to Rome. He's going to ride this all the way to the end. He knows that his end is going to likely be there. So then a large number of Jews make a pact. They make a vow that they're not going to eat and drink anything until Paul is dead. Now, I wonder how that's going to go, because he's not going to die for some time. So they're probably going to break their own vow, which wouldn't mean much because they're hypocrites and they're evil people as it is. So, But they made an agreement that they would not eat or drink anything until Paul was dead. So they were going to ambush him and assassinate him. And then we see a glimpse as to somebody in Paul's life that we never really see described anywhere else. We see that Paul has a sister. And that's about all the family that we know about Paul. He has a sister, and he has a nephew. Because it says the son of Paul's sister, so that's his nephew. They catch wind of this plot. And so they go to the Roman soldiers and make them aware of what's going on. And so they write a letter to Felix, the governor, in order to make him aware of what's going on so that he can act as a form of an arbitrator between the Jews and Paul. So they get him out of town, and they get him to Felix. Now Felix, he is the Roman leader of Judea at this time, and he was put into office about 52 AD, and he ended at roughly about 58 AD, and his headquarters were in Caesarea, as we can see here. So at the very beginning, they ask what province he's from. And since he's from Tarsus, 
that's in the province of Cilicia. The reason why this was important was because Roman law requires that this question be asked at the opening of a hearing, because Paul had the right to be tried in his home province, or in the province where the alleged crime was committed. So since Tarsus was in Cilicia, and Felix was the deputy of the legate of Syria and Cilicia, then he claimed to be able to do it wherever he was, in regardless of what choice Paul made. Now, this is a very important detail that is mentioned in my commentary. I don't know this from the Bible. But this is interesting because this is a very strong detail. But what this is hinting at is that somebody was there that was witness to the whole thing. So many use this as strong evidence that Luke himself was present at these hearings because these were important details that no one else would have known about unless they were physically there. So then we see the court hearing begin in chapter 24. And it starts with this man named Tertullus. This is a Roman name, and yet the Jews are using him as a lawyer. So I'm not sure if he's Jewish or if he's a Roman, but he's most likely a Roman. And he was a lawyer that was hired in order to present the case of the Jews. Now, he knows how to play the system, because we see that he broadens the charge and made it more serious in Roman eyes than it originally was. And by the way he's framing this to make it seem more serious to Roman audiences, he's trying to build a case that Paul was trying to start an insurrection. And that's a big deal. And not only that, but they're also accusing him of being a leader of the Nazarenes. I guess that's what they were calling the Christians at that time. And also for desecrating the temple, even though he wasn't. Now for me, the second half of verse 6 through the first half of verse 8 is in brackets. It mentions, We wanted to judge him according to our own law, but Lysias the commander came along, and with much violence took him out of our hands, ordering his accusers to come before you. That was an utter lie. But even then, this is in brackets, so if it bothers you, you know what to do at this point. So they said their piece, and now Paul is going to defend himself. He gave his defense as best as he could, and he did not agree to any of the charges, except that the, he made one comment to stir up the Pharisees and Sadducees during the council. Other than that, he does not claim anything else. But he does admit that he is a follower of the way, and that's how they knew the Christians back then. We saw that they were first called Christians in Antioch, but many people saw them as the movement called the Way. And this is obviously based off of what we would see in John 14.6. I am the Way and the Truth and the Life. And so if you are a part of the Way, then you are a Christian. You follow Jesus Christ. And so that was how they would distinguish these kinds of people back then. Paul does a good job of defending himself as best as he could, and then Felix knows about the way, and he decides to let things sit for a little while. And because he knows about how the Christian movement, 
more intimately than most, he said that he was going to wait for the commander, Lysias, to come himself, and he was going to hear from him what he had to say. So Felix put Paul in imprisonment, but it was a very loose imprisonment. He had a lot of freedoms. It was a military confinement, but people were welcome to visit him. He wasn't locked in a cell, so on and so forth. So it wasn't terrible conditions, but it still was not freedom. And then we see in verse 24, Felix has a wife named Drusilla, and she is a Jew. Now, what my commentary wants to say is that Felix had stolen Drusilla from her first husband, and he also was corrupt as a governor, and Paul may have challenged him concerning his low morality. And maybe that's why Felix did what he did. And it may have to do as well as that he is witnessing about Jesus Christ, and that really scared him. And so he decided, you know what, I'm just going to wait until my time is up as governor, and I'll let somebody else deal with him. So Paul is stuck there for two years, and that's a long time to get just stuck there. But he's safe, and he's able to do ministry while imprisoned. So it's not terrible, but it could be better. And then we see that Felix is no longer governor at this point, and a new man enters the scene named Festus. And since he is succeeding Felix, we have it in Roman record. And we have this at 58 AD as being the year that Festus takes office. And so in tomorrow's reading, we're going to see Paul defending himself in front of Festus. We'll see how that goes. And that's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.